You're listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. Our guest today is Fabia Tedaru Bueno, CEO at Philips Latin America. Fabia is a big fan and promoter of Philips's goal to make the world healthier and more sustainable by innovation. In 23 years at Philips, Fabia has held several senior positions across the organization in healthcare, personal health, lighting, and TVs in the Netherlands, in China, Germany, Philippines, and now Latin America. One of Fabia's objectives is to improve access to healthcare for people in Latin America and drive a strong diversity and inclusion agenda with the Philips team. Fabia's motto is leading with purpose. In this episode of Scaling Culture, Ron and Fabia discuss the huge cultural shift the company is going through in the past 15 years when Philips moved from being an electronics conglomerate known for lighting and TVs to becoming a health technology company. They talk about Philips's mission and DNA values, individual holistic view versus the person at work, and Philips's diversity and inclusion strategies. Before diving into today's episode, as a thank you to listeners of the podcast, we're giving away free access to one module of the masterclass. To collect, email sales at Connolly Owens, C-O-N-N-O-L-L-Y Owens, O-W-E-N-S dot com, and we will send you access to the module of your choice. Now on to the show. Welcome to another episode of the Scaling Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Lovett. And today we have Fabia Tetero Bueno, CEO of Philips Latin America. Fabia, welcome. Thank you, Ron, for having me here with you guys today. I'm really excited. Um, and you, I know you're located in Panama, but originally Brazilian, or still yes. Brazilian. You're from Brazil. <laughs> that's me, that's me. Excited yeah. to be here today. Yeah, great. Um, and I was excited, you know, even for our first discussion, you know, we haven't, um, we haven't had, I, I haven't had one on from Philips and, and I just find it an interesting company and, and I was already, um, I wasn't aware of the things that Philips are into. And so I, I, I want to actually start there. Tell me about how Philips has changed. I bet you, I, I'm, I'm going to assume that most listeners don't know that the company's actually changed over the last 15 years. What does it look, what did it look like? And what's it look like today? Yeah, it's a very interesting question. And I always say I'm a, a typical uh, blue heart because I'm 23 years with the company. So I've been seeing all this change in the last 23 years. So um, most people, mainly in Latin America, think about Philips, think about TVs, think about uh, lighting, because we were a huge Dutch conglomerate for many, many years. Uh, we are a company of more than uh, 130 years, and we always have been known for being this huge conglomerate. And then in the last uh, 15 years, uh, we took very bold decisions to step out of the TV business, to step out of the lighting business that were a big part of our business. Uh, also appliances business, we decided to step out and really, really focus our portfolio towards healthcare. And it's interesting because I lived in China for some time and uh, people would ask, oh, but Philips is now entering in healthcare. And I would show a picture of the last uh, Chinese emperor in 1900s where uh, he was being treated with our x-ray machines. So it's like, uh, we are for more than a hundred years in healthcare, but in, when you're in business to business, only who is in healthcare or in business to business know that. The consumers don't know. The consumers know what you sell in the consumer market, right? So for many people, it's like, what is Philips now that you're not in healthcare, uh, sorry, in lighting and um, uh, TVs anymore? 
we are really uh, refocusing the business for a big part of the business that has been with us for more than 100 years, but that for consumers was not very visible. So this refocus is gigantic. Uh, not only we are letting go the consumer part of the business, the TV part of the business, the lighting part of the business, but the refocus to healthcare is not only the refocus to healthcare, it's a lot of refocus on healthcare and software in healthcare. So for instance, in Latin America and Brazil, we made huge acquisitions in software. Uh, so uh, uh, the direction towards health and health tech in software specifically is the biggest transformation we have been through in the last 15 years. And so how has the culture changed? Because I'm going to assume, you know, that's a big move. Different people think differently. And so what, what have you seen? You've had an interesting seed. And what, what, how's the culture changed? I worked in TV and lighting before the business were sold. Huh? TV was sold in 2012 and lighting in 2015. We were very, very much a, a consumer company. So our marketers, our salespeople, our incentives, everything was, majority was consumer at that time. So uh, the biggest shift you see is that uh, first, we brought a lot of new DNA. So we have um, a lot of clinical people that enter the organization. We already had, as I said, uh, for more than 100 years in healthcare business, but that part grew. So we also had to bring many more uh, uh, medical staff uh, to the organization. As I said, uh, another big shift was towards software. So we have been acquiring many uh, startups and bringing people with a completely different DNA to the, to the business, right? So, uh, um, and uh, lastly, that is very relevant is all the part of solutions because uh, to, to serve a hospital, you don't go and sell like a box, you sell a, a complete solution. You have to look their design with them. You need to understand the clinical part, but also the, uh, let's say the, the how the, the hospital operates. So you need to, to help them to be more efficient and better serve their patients. You need to understand how they operate. So the, the transformation is gigantic. We still have an important part of the business that is a consumer, but it's also focusing on health. So the consumer part that state is focusing on health. It is actually connecting us to patients. So it's a completely uh, huge transformation, uh, not only a portfolio, but also go to market, also uh, staff, also how we communicate with uh, patients, consumers, and, and the, the clients. So it's a, it's a big transformation, yeah. What, what, what would you say was one of the biggest challenges? What was the like, oh, this part of this was just never ending. We had to let go half the people and bring new people on. Or the, it was the, the people were so, you were arguing, it was like politics. What was one of the big challenges as you, as you sat and watched and, and were involved with this? I personally always have been a person that thinks that the, um, change is a constant, right? Uh, if you don't change, you don't evolve. If you don't evolve, you die, right? So I always like this about Philips, but uh, it is something that many people suffer with because if you change a lot, um, uh, many people don't like that, right? So um, I remember that when we took out TV and the, the lighting business, we disentangled that, a lot of people suffer with that because like, oh, more change, more change. So. Uh, I think it, with the last disentanglement, and we did one just last year of the appliances business, I think we learned that uh, in the end, you need to bring the people along and make clear to them, what do you want? So this last disentanglement was very interesting. That was uh, the biggest 
consumer part that was not related to health, but reducing pain last year. And we had very good courageous conversations with people. So do you want to stay in health or do you want to stay in, in consumer business? If you want to stay in the consumer, go with that. If you want to stay in health, stay with us. We didn't ask people anymore. Do you want to stay in Philips or do you want to leave Philips? Because people were with Philips close to their heart. They always would say, I would stay Philips. No. What do you want for your life and your career? You want a consumer world? You want a health world? And then you decide and we grow you towards that direction. So uh, I think this is the biggest transformation. Bring people along with you that share the, the vision of health is the direction we are going. Be with patients, consumers, or professionals. That's the direction. And if you stay, you stay because you have that as your priority for your personal development too. So, so you basically kind of reorganize people in towards their passion. Some says, wow, I'm passionate. I could do that. That's great. I, I'm aligned with people that are trying to do that. Others are like, look, I just really like light bulbs. I just want to make a lot more light bulbs. And <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. If you are in the light bulbs, you can influence people with energy. Energy is a big climate issue today. So if energy is your climate, is your main thing, stay there. If health is your main thing, stay here. So uh, that's, I think, the biggest transformation. Uh, get people along with that. So, so with that, did, did you guys do a values transformation or not? You still the same foundation. We still believe in these five things from a, from a cultural perspective, but we just have a different strategy, uh, you know, or, or not. Did you have to change the actual culture? I think the DNA of Philips, and I work in the company long enough, and I work in the Netherlands where the company started for some time. If people ask, what is the DNA of Philips? And if you see the, the museum we have there, you see the two brothers that started the company. The, the DNA is innovation and entrepreneurship. And, uh, they were always very communitarian, the two brothers, and they always said how we impact lives with our innovation. And they were super entrepreneurs. And I think that didn't change in our DNA. Innovation, when we feel that we cannot innovate, we cannot add, add, add value anymore to something, we step up. So uh, basically say, we are super innovative, so there is where we add value. And this about improving lives uh, has always been there. Uh, entrepreneurship is something that we stimulate a lot, so that's why we acquire everything we sold, we acquired many more companies uh, that were all, most of the time startups that bringing new uh, entrepreneur uh, uh, blood to the company. So I think the, the key thing, the, the mission of the company has been always improve lives with innovation. And I don't think that part changes. Actually, I think about even stronger. Well, that's, I mean, that's great because you're buckling on and just taking that to a new place. It went from light bulb to saving, to saving a life, you know? So let's talk about, you know, how does, how does Phillips continue to, you know, give, uh, how, how does your, and I feel like this is the mission or purpose of the company, but how do you scale that, you know, scale giving people access to healthcare to improve their lives? How do you guys really scale that? So I, I'm uh, the leader for Latin America, as uh, you mentioned in the introduction. And um, for me, uh, I come from a humble background in Brazil and for me, it's like a, a legacy I want to leave behind, right? I want to leave a legacy behind where uh, uh, what we are doing in healthcare helps to give more access to health for people in our region. So in the world, there's like 50% of people that don't have good access to healthcare, right? And Latin America, it's, it's the numbers after COVID can uh, probably change it, but we are in the levels of uh, uh, 30 to 40%. So 
uh, it's high. Yeah? And we always think, ah, but this is a problem of Africa or emerging markets. No, it's everywhere in the world, uh, in, in suburbs in North America or in Europe, in, uh, in suburbs, you also have that problem, right? So access to care is to healthcare is a very important thing. And I think that the move towards software and informatics is for me the big transformation that can really make a big change. Why? Because um, it's, it's, we have a, a colleague that says this all the time, and I love what, when he says that. Uh, there are people that are going to uh, be born, leave, and die without ever seeing a doctor. They are somewhere in the middle of somewhere. They have no access. And before, we would think, send a machine there and send a doctor, but nobody wants to go to the middle of nowhere in Amazonia, right? But we can send, a, send there an electron. Everybody has a mobile phone in Amazonia. So and if I bring the doctor via the phone to them, instead of the atom, send the electron there. So for me, access to care is about helping the system to be more efficient. The private sector around the world is extremely um, uh, edge of technology, top edge of technology, but the public sector is not. There's a lot of efficiency to be gained to serve more people to uh, support uh, doctors and uh, nurses to do more with what they have in hand. This helps efficiency too. And I think uh, bring, uh, let's say, the, the care to areas where before we wouldn't reach. Uh, these are the key things that I think that the informatization of the sector will gonna really help to bring more access to healthcare and for sure in our region. But, but how do you scale that culturally? How do you get um, an employee to care about that? Especially being so, how many employees do you guys have? Not just Latin America, 8, but globally. 8,000? 8, yes, in Latin America, it's around 6,000 people. But the, the key thing is, I think when people come to Philips, the thing about improving lives is the uh, connection got them there. have with each other, right? So when we talk to people uh, and you say like, what is that keeps you and brings you to Philips is always about improving lives. What we have been doing more and more is try to translate that in lives to everybody that works in the company. For some functions are easier than others, right? So for example, engineers that repair machines. Uh, I remember that some years ago, we were talking about how to make sure that they are extremely motivated about their job. So instead of saying, okay, the machine is broken, takes eight days to, to repair. And they say, oh, my competitor does it in, in 10 days, so I'm doing well. I said, no, eight days means that per day, uh, 20 people were not served. So when you talk about people that didn't have a, a healthcare check or a cancer check uh, per day, they don't think about days anymore. They think about people. So you really do your best to repair the fastest as possible, even though you, you could say to yourself, I'm already doing well enough. So what we try to do more and more is to whoever you are in the company that we translate in life the effect of what you do. And that I think is the, the biggest opportunity and challenge we have. Certain roles, as I said, if you're a clinical person, it's very easy to translate that, but we want everybody, someone that's doing an order that um, puts the order fast because they know that if I put the order fast, someone is gonna be having their health check faster, right? So that's, I think the biggest transformation we have been working on translating our mission in life in practice. Love that. And I know uh, when we spoke previously, you said that Philips is taking um, a different look at human resources, or at least I, I believe that's what you said, which is starting to look at individuals as the whole individual versus 
this transactional, how do you perform? And that's all we'll talk about. How do you do that at, at such large scale? I love it. And I think most companies, if they're not doing that, they'll, you know, they'll be joining the, you know, I was just talking about this in another podcast that they call the pandemic, the great resignation. And I think if we don't start looking at individuals as individuals, um, they'll resign, they will leave <clears throat> for companies that do care about them and their families. And so, but how does a company, it's easy for me to do that. I have 15, you know, employees in the office and, you know, um, 25, 35 in the front lines with Vita, but so it's so a little easier. How do you do that at scale? Yeah. Yeah. It's a very interesting one. And I probably would like to use the pandemic as an example of that, right? <laughs> because it is, it is difficult, you know, it's easier to, to say and to put on paper than to do it. We have all our leadership asks that is how we want that our teams and our people, our leaders behave. And we keep talking about that, right? So make sure that we break silos, that we uh, cooperate with each other, that we put patient safety first. So we keep talking about those things, but in the end you have to leave it. And for me, the pandemic is a good example. I started in this role, first of March. And then uh, one week later, we had to evacuate 222 people that were traveling around Latin to go back home before airports closed. And we had like to bring back home 6,000 people because we had to close the factories, the sites, everybody go home because you're not safe outside. So uh, we started with what we said globally in Philips, what we call the triple duty of care. First, leaders, let's make sure that our people are safe. Second, that our customers are being served because we serve hospitals, so they needed our solutions, right? And third, once these two things are ready, then you start looking to what is going to be the impact of that to the business and how we're going to be uh, impacted now and for the future with regards to the pandemic. So we put our people first, our customers uh, second, because our people serve our customers, right? <laughs> and then uh, and if our people are not there to serve our customers, there is no customer, right? So our customers and, and, uh, and employees were our priority. So, uh, and we leave it at that. And in Latin America, um, at that big moment, our first focus are evacuate people. Uh, there was a lot of business we lost, but we didn't uh, do mass uh, restructuring because we said, no, we're not going to do that. Our people need us the most now. Uh, we took some uh, uh, radical actions, like everybody was delivering their holidays because they said, you know, let's uh, uh, work hard here because the company needs us and we need a company. So we put a program where every Friday I was talking to everybody in the organization to just keep them updated what's going on, what we know, what we don't know. Uh, we have been supporting our teams in the field to be vaccinated first so they could uh, visit hostels and still be with their family. So in the end is how you leave it uh, in, in practice. But you're right, it's, it's hard when it's so many people, right? Uh, so communicate, communicate, communicate. <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's very important and uh, train our leaders to communicate further to the rest of the organization. Uh, and so uh, the, the goal is that everybody's saying the same. So for me, my, my main flag is always psychological safety, that everybody feels safe to talk and to give feedback. Feedback is a gift. So it's going well, talk about it. It's not going well, talk about it too. Yeah, interesting. And I like... So it, it sounds like you guys showed up. You put your money where your mouth is, as we'd say, yeah. you know, um, that's, that's wonderful. Um, I wanted to talk about something that I think is close to your heart. You were the first woman in this role. 
for CEO of Philips, correct? Region for Latin America. Um, and I, I believe you said it's important to continue that on. You don't want to be the last, correct? Yeah. How, how, how do you go about that? And I, I want to introduce a, a, um, a, a, a quick story. I talked to a friend of mine the other day and he was talking about his partner who was, and I thought about you during the story and myself, as I've always envisioned for Vita having a female president and, and, um, so those two things were in my mind as he's telling the story. And what he said was he had a, his partner was up for a, for a big role, but the approach was, Hey, you know, Hey, Fabia, we have this, this role. We really would like a women, woman leader to be there. And I think that in this case, they thought the delivery would land. Well, it didn't because it was taken like, well, hold on a sec. You want me to do this because I'm a woman? Not like, can we look at what I've done? I've delivered a whole bunch of value here. Is it about my value or just because I'm a woman? And I, I really thought about that. I thought, geez, I, I should, I need to rethink my strategy on that. And I was thinking about you and, and I want to hear about your strategy and, and your thoughts on, on that story. I actually like your comment, you know, um, I, my father always said, you were, you were born a feminist. <laughs> and I think I was, uh, but uh, um, for me, femi feminism is like above, above equity that we have the same uh, rights and responsibilities too, right? But I do not believe on uh, forcing things because otherwise you put the person in a wrong position and you, instead of helping the person, you make the person fail. Uh, so, but I do believe in building towards that, right? So I say I'm the first, but I don't want to be the last. I want to leave a legacy. And the other day I made some announcements in my management team and talking about psychological safety. Someone said, yeah, but you know, uh, you made announcements in your management team, but it's still most of the people in the management team are men and white. And I was like, it's fine that they're men and white now, because I'm not going to put a person here that's not prepared to put her in the fire uh, and burn her. Uh, I will never do that to anybody, but it is my responsibility that the pipeline is built, that we are preparing the next layers and that we are uh, there with them. So uh, I take very seriously the comment I got and I, I, uh, I still behind my decision that I put the best person for the job. Right. If I have two best persons for the job and one of them is a minority, I'm always going to go for the minority has final decision making. But if it's not, I'm not going to put the person on the fire. Uh, to fight the lions without being prepared for fighting lions, right? It's a difficult job. You need to be prepared for that. So the first step is the best person for the job. And if it's a minority, you're going to get preference. But the second thing, and it's, I think, more important, you need to build towards that. So with my management team, we have on a quarterly basis review of talent. How is going our talent pipeline? And I want to make sure that for every seat we have, if not for the next role, at least for the after next or the next next, women in the pipeline. And if we have women in the pipeline, what we can do to accelerate them to grow faster towards that. So it is not about uh, by force, you're not gonna happen. It is gonna happen by planning. Uh, diversity and inclusion happens by planning. And I see myself as an example. For this role I'm taking now, I knew four years ago that my boss wanted me to take that. So I've been prepared to take that, right? So we need to prepare uh, the pipeline, not put people in the fire without being ready. So I think this is one of the key things. The second thing is a lot of culture, uh, coaching because uh, mainly in Latin America, our culture is um, 
yeah, it's still a bit uh, macho culture. Uh, you see, like last year uh, in Philips, we didn't lose much, but around me, I know a lot of women that left the workforce because in our culture, the women has to work uh, because the husband alone cannot earn enough and they also want to work, but they also have to take care of the kids and take care of the house. And last year was a huge, huge impact for women. So we lost a lot of women in the workforce in Latin America, not only because of the company culture or the company policies, but also because of the local culture. So in our organization, I focus a lot on are the salaries in line? We have a pipeline for women. Are we training them to be ready? Are we coaching them to be ready? But we also started a group of talking about men has a life. We need the men has a life to consider women when they are hiring, but also at home, to, to be partners for their partners, right? So that uh, when they want to grow, they have a partner that's sharing the load with them so they can grow. In Latin America, it's a huge issue. So um, the change don't come like a short term. You can do things on the short term, but they are they fall apart if you don't have structurally a mid and long-term strategy. So I, I do take some risks sometimes that I say, this person is not completely ready, but I, I do there to put her there because it was gonna be okay. Uh, in, in very difficult roles, better not because I don't want to burn the person, but you also have to prepare a pipeline. You have to train, you have to coach the women to be ready for that, but you also have to coach them and the men about the culture outside the company because that part uh, is sometimes what impacts even more uh, um, women. Uh, and last, uh, before I forget, one of the key issues in our industry is that it's a very technical industry in often there are much more men going to technical roles than women. So we are, we didn't start yet, but we are starting next year a program where we want to go to high schools and schools to partner with them to show to girls how it's interesting to be also in technical roles that often also pay more and is one of the, the, the salary gaps uh, that we see in the world, right? So uh, these are things that we are doing, but in short, I, I don't believe in shortcuts. Uh, to make this happen is a, a short, mid, long-term strategy necessary. It's interesting. Um, I, I want to play back kind of some key uh, highlights that I took from what you just said, and, and I want to make sure I'm getting this right. So it sounds like if you would like to have a woman leader, take your place or whatever that looks like, or, or build up, you know, some diversity uh, within the leadership that you're doing that in advance. You're saying, look, Ron or Rhonda in this case, uh, I, I, I see a place where you could lead this company, but to do that, there's a few things that I want to make clear. One, <clears throat> I think you need to um, maybe be coached in these areas, train in these areas. And I like to support you because there's a few gaps just from a leadership perspective to get you there. That's one. But two, I want to be clear, even when you get there, you still have to be the best. Am I getting that right or, did it, or wrong? In whatever function you have to, to give your best. And women always give their best. Huh? I don't, uh, I actually uh, surprised to see uh, in a position, new position, sometimes the, the guy's 80% of uh, the skills and he already applies for it. The woman applies only when she's 100% sure that she has 100% of the skills. So right. it's not about uh, uh, not giving the best. Independent of the role, you need to give your best always. Uh, and, uh, uh, but also we need to stimulate the women to feel that they are ready to go, apply, and give their best. Right, right. 
Fabia, it's been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed this. Um, is there anything else we didn't talk about that is key that's on your mind that you wanted to get out there before we wrap? Well, I think that uh, both with regards to access to care or diversity and inclusion, and uh, because these are the key things I mentioned to you that are the legacies we want to leave in Latin America, but uh, with transformations in general, you know, everything is beautiful on paper. Uh, it's how you execute and bring it to reality and walk the talk that really uh, makes the difference. So for me, it's, uh, again, there are always ways to have shortcuts, good results. I always tell people, don't come to me with watermelon KPIs, you know, that's beautiful green outside and red inside because it's only short-term shortcuts. Uh, we only can transform when we do that structurally with mid to long-term strategy behind. Yes, of course you need short-term results because there is no long-term without short-term. But the most important is in the transformation, uh, never lose track from where you're going to. I love that. Never lose track of where you're going. Fabia, thanks so much for, for joining us. I've enjoyed this conversation. Uh, it's been great to have you on the show and I look forward to keeping in touch with you. Thank you so much, Ron, for inviting me and uh, it was great talking to you. Have a great day. As a thank you to listeners of the podcast, we're giving away free access to one module of the masterclass. To collect, email sales at Connolly Owens, C-O-N-N-O-L-L-Y Owens, O-W-E-N-S dot com. And we will send you access to the module of your choice. For more information about Fabia, please connect with her on LinkedIn. For more information about our podcast, please go to scalingculture.org. And if you're enjoying the Scaling Culture podcast, please subscribe and share. We'll be back soon with another incredible guest.